Um, if you could please all rise in reverence to the word. I'll be coming out of the New American Standard Bible, going from chapter 4 of John, verses 3, all the way to 42. And the word says, He left Judea and went away again to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sinchar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who said to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And you, where then do you get this living water? Are you not greater than our father Jacob? Are you who gave us this well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks from this well, this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never, shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I do not, so I do not be thirsty, nor come all this way to draw water. He said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you, are, you have correctly said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to her, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you people say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming that neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that you do not know. We worship that we know, for salvation is for the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the, such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to, her, said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When the one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and were amazed that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with, this, with her? So the woman left 
her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out to the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his works. He, do you not say that there is yet four months and then comes a harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. They are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving the wages and is getting and gathering the fruit for eternal life, so that he sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one who sows and the other reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. From the city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all these things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many were believed because of his words. Verse 42. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Dear Lord, as we come to look at the scripture, as we come to examine it deeply and in context, Dear Lord, allow me to be hidden behind the cross. Allow your voice, your word to be heard this day. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let me start with a question. Have you ever been working out in the hot sun and then at the end of the day have a thirst for something? tall glass of iced tea, perhaps. Nevertheless, that cool, refreshing feeling that it gives you only lasts temporarily. The reason being the weather still may be hot and there still may be much work to be done. Here we see Jesus doing his Father's work on a hot, dry, dusty day. He is not just coming to get a glass of cool water that will last for just a moment. Indeed, he is the fountain of living water. This living water, not just coming from a well, but to flow up from within us, from our, from our very souls. This gift is from Jesus Christ himself, the very fountain of life. The only requirements for us being our need for spiritual thirst, and a willingness to face our own spiritual and our own sins. The very sins that may have left us in the desert, hot, dry, and dying of thirst. As we begin to look at the scripture, first let's look at the Gospel of John for a moment. Unlike how 
Pastor Bales has been taking us through Mark and the Synoptic Gospels. John's Gospel states clearly in chapter 20, verse 31, it was written that you may believe that, Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Making John's Gospel a very powerful testimony and presentation of Jesus' deity. In each chapter then, therefore, presenting evidence, both signs and statements of his divine authority. It is one of the reasons why for many new Christians, when they ask, well, where should I start reading the Bible? Many say, go to the Gospel of John. For many of us who have read through the Bible many times, we know from our experience, starting at Genesis, going through Exodus, Leviticus, and then hitting Numbers, it kind of slows you down. So, as we then come to this section of Scripture, the fourth chapter of John, we see that it is in early in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is not just, had just met with Nicodemus, revealing to him that the only way to enter the kingdom of God was to be born again. Unless one was born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Three, John 3, 3 states. Thus, in verse 3 of chapter 4, Jesus informs his disciples he must return to Galilee. The last time Jesus had been there was at the wedding feast where he had turned water into wine, his first recorded miracle. Now Jesus, using his Waze app on his smartphone, could have taken three ways to Galilee. The first was along the coast, of the sea, the second along the Jordan River, and the last, the quickest route, was through Samaria. It's interesting, just a quick aside, using the Waze app, it seems every time I come here, it sends me in a different way. And sometimes I just allow myself to be driven that way, and it's interesting the different roads it takes me on. Now, in this case, though, Jesus had work to do. And he knew that. In this time of history, the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. The Jews, in fact, seeing them as a mixed-race people, Mongol Jews at best. This animosity coming from centuries of animosity, Samaria being a region between Galilee and Judea, as we know, the mixture of races occurring back during the Exodus period, where the northern kingdom was exiled and King Sojourn had repopulated the area with foreigners from other lands. Of course, resulting inevitably to the intermarriage of Jews and foreigners, which caused the Jews of Galilee and Judea to look at the, at the Samaritans in disdain. As Jesus was traveling with his disciples, he came to the city of Sinjar, the city likely called Shechem in the Old Testament, is where in Genesis chapter 34, 20, and 24, the first new covenants of the nation of Israel occurred. The men this time coming out to be circumcised so that the, they could marry the daughters of Israel. It being the sixth hour, or around noontime, Jesus was weary from his journey, as we see, just like, like us, he got tired, he got dusty, he got thirsty. 
He sat down at the edge of the, the well as his disciples continued in to town, probably to buy some lamb gyros at the local subway. Let us imagine now, then, what Jesus was thinking as he sees his disciples leave as a local Samaritan woman arrives. He knew this is the woman his father had sent to him to minister to. However, he might have wondered how best to open a conversation with this woman. Like us, there are many times we too may question how to start a conversation to bring the good news to an unbeliever. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the hardest things one imagines are in fact the most simple? In Jesus, he starts his conversation with a woman by a simple favor. Give me a drink. Envision this, will you? The very water of life is asking this rude, immoral, and destitute woman for a drink of water. We can make this assertion from the fact that she's coming to this well at this hour, hoping not to run into anyone. Her first response is telling. She does not say no. Rather, she responds in an insolent, impertinent manner. One could almost see her toss her hair from side to side with one hand on her hip. She was more inclined to take. She took men from other women. She took what she wanted. She didn't care if it was a sin or not. She was unafraid of making her feelings clear. She does this by accusing Jesus. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? You could almost see her spit fly. The reason Jesus' response to this rude and insolent question is forceful. It's faithful and out of his great love. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but ever who drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. In Jesus, in this, Jesus is establishing he is not bringing physical water, which we know will cause one to thirst again. Nevertheless, but instead, a spiritual water that will satisfy our very souls. Now many crowds today are going to water holes of the world seeking satisfaction. What are some of these water holes? Could be lust, money, influence, prestige, pride, just to name a few. They are seeking physical satisfaction of their thirst, though they quickly learn these wells do not satisfy for long. It is most interesting, the colloquial term for a bar is called the local watering hole. Christian apologetist and evangelist Marie Zacharias says this concerning physical satisfaction. The loneliest moment in life is when you have just experience the ultimate, and it has let you down. Let me repeat that. The loneliest moment in life is when you have just experienced the ultimate, and it has let you down. Instead of seeking the living water of our Lord Jesus Christ that will satisfy one's thirst fully and for eternity, 
Jesus, we see, is building a thirst in this woman for spiritual water. This water is not just to fill a cup or a water pot, but instead to become a fountain of water springing up, affecting every part of her life. Let us remember, she was coming to a well to get water, dead water, one could say, at the bottom of a well. In the natural world, living water is seen as a mountain stream or a spring. What makes it alive is the fact that it is moving, causing oxygen to enrich it, allowing life to live in it. Does not Jesus tell us in John 7, 37-39, He is the living water? the very spirit of grace which will comfort and satisfy the soul. Christ Jesus will send the Holy Spirit to them who ask, for he receives, thus he may give. We begin to see this increased thirst in this woman when she asks, Sir, give me this water so that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Her thirst for this spirit's water is great. However, her flesh still returns to the well in front of her. She now faces a true spiritual battle, probably for the first time. Maybe some of you are facing similar battles, acknowledging her spiritual thirst, but also facing the shame of her sins, the very reason why she was at this sacred well at this time of day. Jesus, knowing her thoughts, gives voice to them in verse 16 when he states, Go call your husband. As I mentioned, Jesus brings living water to all who are in need. The condition first must be met. Like this woman, one must come face to face with one's own personal sin nature. Like us, she quickly goes on the defensive, becoming adversarial, in fact, saying, Oh, I have no husband. Who of you have said, Oh, I don't have a drinking problem. I don't have an issue with anger or some other issue of some other sort of sin. Like us, she desires to hide the fact of sin from Jesus. Nevertheless, just as we know and she quickly learns, we are unable to hide from our Lord and Jesus Christ. He calls out her sin. He does this directly, but with grace and mercy. It is through these words the Holy Spirit finally opens her eyes spiritually to see Christ for who He truly is. When she responds in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She does not deny the truth of her sin, which He just revealed. Instead, He honors Him, since He was faithful to dealing with her. Though she acknowledges her sin, she quickly changes the subject, as we are apt to do when a conversation becomes too personal or hits a nerve, like facing one's own sin. She changes the topic to worship, where one... Now, of course, looking at different commentaries on the subject, they think that it may be because it was too personal for her to talk about her sin, or the fact that she was coming to an understanding, a revelation, she needed to understand this new worship, a new way to worship God. Thus wishing to ensure that she was doing it okay. As we see for the Samaritan Mount Gizman, which she refers to is where they built their temple, 
whereas for the Jews, it was for the temple in Jerusalem. However, the point Jesus was making in verses 20 to 23 is that it will no longer matter where one worships, but rather how one worships. Jesus is speaking to the fact worship will no longer hang on a physical location, but how we will worship God in our hearts. Jesus says in verse 23, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is a very important point. It is the work of the Holy Spirit within us when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts to allow us to then worship Him. Let us remember in the Old Testament, God gave Moses strictly guidelines on how to build his tabernacle, allowing then his chosen nation to worship him. Now the authority of Christ Jesus directs the Holy Spirit to live within us. It is in this we, his chosen people, are able to worship directly and have communication with God the Father in heaven. Because now our bodies have become the new tabernacle. This, of course, being possible, as a song we sang just a moment ago states, is the blood of Christ that shed on the cross allows us to stand covered in Christ's blood, our sins washed away before the Father. Remember this woman knew first knew the first five books of the Bible, that the Messiah was on his way, the conversations Moses had with God when God revealed in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. Here now, at this sacred well, looking at this Jewish man, hot and dusty from the trail, who first asked the simple question of this debauched sinful woman, can I have a drink? He reveals to her, I am. This is the first time in Jesus' ministry where he identifies himself as Messiah or as God. Now it's interesting, upon this revelation, Jesus' disciples return from the trip to the local subway in town. Disciples were truly amazed that Jesus was speaking to a woman, least of all, a Samaritan woman. The reason being was because Jewish rabbis were not permitted to speak to any women of any ethnicity in public. This was due to the strong-held belief that in doing so it would cause a hindrance to their study of the Torah. Their embarrassment uh, over Jesus' actions was great, and since they did not not give voice to the questions that were recorded, the woman, in contrast, had no hindrance or reservations of speaking to to what had just been revealed to her. Running to town, she starts witnessing, in fact. It is interesting, though, how she first went to the men, This may be due to the fact that she was more comfortable talking with them, of course. We are witness to her growth in faith as we see, first seeing Jesus first as a Jew in verse 9, as a prophet in 
verse 19, and finally to the Messiah. However, her face still seems a little tentative since he asked the crowd, could this be the Christ? Based on her testimony, though, we see history about to repeat itself. This time, the men and women started exiting the city to witness what had just been spoken about. Now, in the meantime, as the disciples were getting down to their gyros, they turned to him and said, you know, Rabbi, eat. And he responds to them, I have food to eat which you do not know. This, of course, definitely confuses them. Like the woman, they were seen only with their physical eyes versus understanding with spiritual eyes, along with knowledge and wisdom. It is interesting, though, how, like I said, this is early in Jesus' ministry, how throughout, while he was here, his disciples still took a long time to see with those spiritual eyes. Now, when Jesus clarifies his statement in verse 32, he is not saying to forego physical food. Rather, he is showing his obedience to do his Father's will. That there may be times that doing God's will will take precedent over one's physical needs, even if it may cause some distress for a time. In this case, we see in the text from verse 35 to 38, the work to be done was to harvest the field. The harvest to be collected were the souls of the city of Sinjar. At this time, it was not just that the men to be physically circumcised, as back in the Old Testament, but rather to be rather the entire population to be spiritually circumcised, to be born again in spirit. Into this new covenant which Jesus came to establish, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. There will be a time in our lives as we live as disciples. We will be sowers, and other times we will be reapers. In either case, we can rejoice in the labor, because it is the Holy Spirit who directs the growth and determines the correct time for harvest. For the Samaritans coming out at midday, first by the unlikely testimony of a shunned woman, then by Jesus himself, the Samaritans not only came to receive living water, but also had their spiritual eyes open to the fact that Christ was, that Jesus was the Christ, the Savior of the world. This fountain of living water thus coming to this city in a time to the whole world. Thus I ask you now, for those who can, please stand up. Please stand up. And turn around. And look out that wall. And pretend that wall is not there. And the doors are not there. You know where you go and whom you face at work, within your communities, who are dying of spiritual thirst. I challenge you then to go, as Jesus did, and ask the simple question, may I have a drink, or how can I help you this day? It need not be large, and it can be very simple. 
It may be just walking the walk the way you have the way you have peace about you and around you, which may convict the person to ask, where do you get your water from? If you are, to, if you are asked then, are you ready to take in that harvest? Would not the, wouldn't it be truly powerful sign of God's power that our parking lot be full and all the seats in the sanctuary be filled next Sunday? Not for anyone's glory other than God's glory. People coming to truly seek and drink the living water that only our Lord God can give in His power, justice, and grace may give. Dear Lord, I just pray that the words that have been spoken here resonate on the hearts of these people. Again, hiding me behind a cross, but allowing your word to resonate within them, dear Lord. Give them new insight, new revelation as they go back and study the scripture this week. Dear Lord, I thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.